0: You guys blessed by that this morning. Oh man, I got something. <clears throat> something happens when you start singing and proclaiming truth, and it. And this is why I talk oftentimes about worship as warfare, because we <clears throat> I started with this uh, scripture on Mary and Martha. And uh, we get distracted. And something happens when we get to this place to where um, we uh, we start to sing out and believe and come into alignment and come into agreement with uh, that which is true, right? And so you find yourself worshiping and the scripture that says, in your presence is fullness of joy, that becomes reality. You're like, yes, there's joy here in his presence and and I I begin to experience peace and I say you're the prince of peace and it becomes reality and becomes to make sense I'm like yes and I just have the thought that you know sadly uh, I and many others depend way too much on the Sunday gathering to find that place and so Lord would you break us of that we can come together corporately and get into this, secret place here in the secret place we can find that here and it's easier because of the environment and the people and the music and the beautiful voices and the you know the you know it's like all the the sweeping strings and the you know the 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 echo or the reverb and it's like ah it sounds so heavenly and it's wonderful but God would you fill our homes with that place, would you make our homes a place of worship and and peace? And Prince of Peace, meet us in our homes and in in our workplaces and in our vehicles and when we're with our family and and just there's so much more to be had. And so, man, praise the Lord for that. Um, this morning, I'm going to be talking about uh, something that it, it's kind of a theme that we keep in line with um, in and when we're talking about relating to uh, the Father, relating to Jesus, um, and it's this theme of shifting source. So what happens is oftentimes we source from self, which is woefully inadequate to provide uh, the things that we need for uh, godly living and for peace and mercy and to love and to show grace and all these things, right? That is a, All those things are a fruit of the Spirit, and then Scripture tells us the works of the flesh are obvious, and it's in those places there's division and anger and discord and dissension and and uh, all these, these perversions um, of who we aren't uh, really. Um, and so when we come into Christ, we get the Spirit, and then we live out who we're really supposed to be, who He made us to be, right? Jesus is the perfect man. Um, and so today, talking again about... Um, shifting from the default of self to the default of spirit, specifically within the context of loving um, others. So, very simple message on love today, but uh, a message that was real to me uh, this week because I found myself in a place where I wasn't loving and had to, in a moment, seek the Lord. As my source to love. And there's a very practical application. And it's one of those things where we hear scripture all the time. It says, Love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your brother, love your wife as Christ, love the church, love, love, love. And these commands of love. And in theory, we get it, right? Like as Christians, very foundationally, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, love others as yourself. But when it comes to actually living that out face to face with people who are closest to you. Now, I can, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about loving your neighbor versus loving your brother, because there's, there's multiple places in Scripture where, where it says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. But then in 1 John, we'll read here in a little while, where it says, love your brother. And I was like, what's the difference? And I think your neighbor and your brother are very different, because my brother are those who are closest to me all the time, and they see the ugliest parts of who I am, and I see the ugliest parts of who they are. And then a neighbor, it's like, it It can be easy for me to show the love of Christ to a homeless guy. Hey, here's a bottle of water, you know, bless you in the name of the Lord, and I've just done this deed, and I've shown love. But it's very different to love those in close proximity. You know, it's like, oh, I love this guy. That was really easy, give him a bottle of water. But to love my wife, who I see every single day, and she sees my ugly, and I see her ugly, um, it, it gets a little difficult sometimes. You get um, exasperated Trying to love those closest to you um, when people who are close to you continually fail you because they're human, right? And so loving in that place gets a little more difficult. Um, And so let me read, excuse me, John 13, 34 through 35. And this is just after Jesus has um, engaged his disciples in the Last Supper. And he's washed their feet. And so he says to them, A new commandment I give you, love one another. And so the greatest commandment he had established before that was love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And now he's saying this is a new commandment, love one another. As I have loved you, so the, here's the, the caveat, as I have loved you, so you must love One another, And then he says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus gives this commandment in the context of close-knit relationship with his disciples. They'd spent almost every waking hour and probably every sleeping hour together over the past three years of Jesus' ministry when they were called to him as disciples. So there was a closeness there. There was a relationship and a community that had been built. And so they were all around each other all the time. And then Jesus says, as I have loved you. So he says, don't just think about loving one another in, uh, in in just a love people context, but he says, look at it in the context of the way that I have loved you. And it's interesting because the fullness of Jesus's love for his disciples wasn't realized until his sacrifice on the cross and then his resurrection from the grave. So there was still a context to be understood later on down the road. Well, three days later, to be exact, on that, on that day. Um, and so Jesus says, look to me as the example of how I love, and that's how you're to love one another. And so I was like, well, what is the love that Jesus gives? How do we love like Jesus loves? And I'm sure there are many answers to this. But I would say sacrificially and without condition or expectation. That is very, very difficult for human beings to do. Be, except scripture says, I'm a new creation. Forever changed, right? Like as in that song. I ah, mean, oh, yes. Right? We're new creations. And so in Christ, we have ability and power and capacity to love in a way that Christ loves, which is not attainable or doable without Christ. And so what happens is I often find myself trying to, to love apart from the love of Christ. And here's, here's how this happens and how this plays out for me is that um, foolishly and of the flesh... I've set certain expectations and conditions on others to make them worthy of my love. Especially those closest to me. Right? We meet if I see a stranger on the street, it's like oh I gotta be the love of Christ, so give to those who ask, you know, give him your tunic if he asks, you know, whatever. Like I I I should love and so it's easier for me in that moment, hey, what's 5 bucks in in, in uh, against the backdrop of eternity like it's nothing so I can give and and love, but when it's those closest to me, I I create expectations and essentially I have written out my own more or not yeah, maybe my own moral law, right? I've presented a law to my family and to my friends and to my children that if you do these things, then daddy will be happy. (laughs) Or husband Jason, the hubs, will be happy. Um, And that's a flaw. That's a major flaw. And so I need to begin to love without condition, and that's very difficult. Now, something that I know about marriage is that marriage is, uh, well, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they, he's the great sanctifier, but I think marriage comes in a, a close second to the great sanctifier <laughs> because it's within the context of marriage that um, you essentially are, in a, in a way, you are in the closest relationship that you can be with anybody in the in the way that Jesus was in relationship with his disciples right it was all it was as if almost that were a type of marriage when he was with his disciples it was day in day out and he was leading right and then we know that he that now the the church is his bride us as disciples of Christ, we are his bride. We're in this marriage, this, this closeness. We become one. It's the great mystery of marriage that Christ and his people become one in the Spirit. Also, like a husband and a wife, become one in the Spirit. So hear me, single people, you don't have to be married to experience this. right? You have close relationships with other people. However, it's in the context of marriage that I'm experiencing this, and so this is my this is my example. It's the great sanctifier because Scripture says that we become one with our spouse. And it's it's there in the closeness of relationship that you see faults and flaws and that you begin to maybe set certain expectations and conditions on your spouse so that they then meet those conditions so that you are okay or happy or Whatever it is. Well you you haven't this or you just don't that or you you rarely or you never or I don't ever, right? And we begin to use these statements, right, Kim? I use these with you all the time. And we argue about this because we, we discuss maturely as Christians with the spirit in us. We have yes. <laughs> um, right. And and so there are times where I've set conditions on the cleanliness of the home or the amount of time we spend together or how she spends her evenings or how I spend my evenings and and we hit these walls and these 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 conflicts arise and then these words start to fly like you never you rarely you don't you won't you can't you these these things and so essentially what I'm saying is Hey, so let's slow down a second. I Remember all of these expectations and these conditions that I've, that I've put on you that you don't know that I've put on you? Well, you failed to meet them, and so now there's conflict. And one of the, the most, I think, mature things that I heard somebody say to me when I was a lot younger um, was that you can't hold somebody to expectations that they don't know about and then be upset when they fail to meet them. And then the second thing is considering expectations that I've set and conditions that I've placed on my relationships um, to be peaceful and fruitful and loving and, and these things, ideal um, and utopian, right? We all want this idealistic utopia in our lives, we want everything to be great. What I realize is that I've been placing fleshly conditions on those around me, Um and so when my expectations and conditions go unmet, I live unfulfilled and I live angry and I live with a chip on my shoulder. Um, and it shows to, to my spouse and to those around me and to Henry, my stepson, and, and it, it comes out. It's not fruit of the Spirit that's happening. It's the works of the flesh that are manifest the most. And so this week... I, um, I came up against some issues in my heart. And it was as if Satan has, he started playing this like tape in my head. And there are these statements that come over and over in my mind. And I can either choose at that moment to begin to agree with those and allow my flesh to get agitated, or I can reject those and switch my source and draw from Christ. Now I know this because I've taught it, and people have told me about it before. But it doesn't always play out that easily in the moment, in the situation, especially because my personality—I'm uh, a feeler—and so I—I f- I experience emotion and feelings before I move into a place of logic. And reason and and understanding. So, oftentimes when I'm feeling and not thinking, Kim will say, "You're being unreasonable, right?" Because I'm processing with my feelings first, and feelings aren't bad. They they do a lot of good for us. They can. Um, but usually when I'm able to slow down and kind of think about some things, and quite honestly, when I'm able to slow down and begin to pray and take things to the Lord, that's when that that source will shift. And so this week, I was, I was struggling with some things. I think it was Friday. Um, and so I was having a lunch meeting with a friend at District Taqueria. So I work where abode venue is. And so I thought, I'm just going to go and walk. This will be a good time for me to walk. So I start walking, and, uh, and I start just talking to the Lord. I'm saying, God, why am I, why am I thinking these things? Like, I know this isn't Right. Like, this is foolish. And I began to say, Jesus, you you told us to love as you love. As I have loved you, love others. But Jesus, I don't know how to do that. Because your love has no condition. It's it's unconditional. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, oh, excuse me, uh, Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Right? When we were, we were powerless to attain righteousness, we were powerless to be worthy, we were powerless to, to present ourselves in such a way that we would be given a stamp of approval and say, yes, I approve of you. Scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so, us being in sin, we were powerless, Right? Christ died for the ungodly. So you see at the right time while we're still powerless, Christ died. He sacrificed. says very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare die. So it's rare, but possible on occasion someone might give their life sacrificially because they love somebody, but he says very rarely. But he says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a sacrificial love that Jesus stepped in and gave us what we needed, not what we deserved, based on our actions or inaction, our inability to to produce righteousness through the law. And so when I consider that, I I said, okay, Jesus, this this is the kind of love that you have. Even while we were sinners, even while we were powerless, even while we were still your enemy, you stepped out and loved us with the love that we need. And that's the kind of love that you call me to love with. And I don't really know how to do this because looking at my situation, I've created all these standards and these conditions and everything in me is upset that those standards and conditions have not been met. And so my flesh is alive in this moment and I don't know how to love like that, but you do. And so in a moment I said, Lord, I believe that through your spirit in me, you're in me, I'm in you. We're one. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, Jesus, you can infuse from heaven into earth your love through me. Out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. Lord, would you allow that love to flow through me? I want to love my wife and my family without condition and without expectation. And if I die with my law having never been met, but I've loved, well, then I've loved like you've loved and let me just tell you that, you know, Kim's probably thinking, well, what expectation? What standard am I not meeting? What are we it's all stupid. It's all you you're fine, my love. <laughs> you really are. And, and and it's that in my fault and in my flaws, I need Jesus to love me unconditionally. And he does. And the same love that I need from Christ is the same love that you need and you need and you need and you need. And all your friends and your family and your spouses and your spouse, excuse me, and your your children, we're not Mormon anymore. Um, you're, they all need that kind of love, the love that you've been given. And that's what he's saying. The same amount of, the in your powerlessness and your unworthiness, in your sin, I've given you a love that has now changed you And as you love others the way that I've loved you, change will happen. You don't love so that change comes. Change happens because you love. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's kindness and love and mercy and grace unconditionally poured out lavishly and abundantly on those who are undeserving and unworthy, right? But again, it's like whatever standard I may set for others is... It's a worldly, fleshly standard. I want the house clean 24-7. I want no dishes in the dishwasher. I want no trash in the trash cans at any point in time. I want yes, sir, and no, sir, with respect. And and I want people to respond to me always, you know, hey, are you excited about this? Yeah, it's cool. No, be excited. You know, I want people to meet my standards and be, you know, what would people look like if they actually lived up to the standard that I set? What'd you say? You'd look like me. Yeah, that's no. <laughs> right. And so in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five, it says, uh, it, "This is the famous love chapter." And it says, "Love it. Love does not dishonor others, and it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs." Um, and so the Lord showed me just this week how uh, I. I've been trying to love, but at the same time, self seeking. It's a self to be appeased. Love requires no self to appease. Jesus says, If you would follow me, if you'd be my disciple, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. You must die to self. Right, Sam McVeigh says at all the time, that the the biggest S word coming against you isn't sin, it's self. And so graciously, the Lord has shown me and is continuing to show me, those areas of my heart and in my life where I am not um, I'm not loving the way I'm supposed to love or loving the way that he would love. But he's not making me to be dependent upon myself to do it. But in a moment, I can shift source. Just like I came up this morning and I was all flustered because coffee wasn't made. And I I, I was, Joey and Portia, they really helped me this morning. Last minute, I'm going crazy. And I just said, you know, why am I so upset about coffee? You know, I don't know. I don't know. But then I come up and in a moment, we can shift Source. And it's so very possible in your lives, regardless of how you're feeling or how you're thinking in the moment, it is so very possible to stop and draw from the strength of Christ. And it's by faith. I'm not done anything different. It's not even the magic in my words. It's the belief in my heart that Jesus can love through me the way that he's loved, that he loves. And so coming into alignment and coming into agreement with it, scripture says there's power, the power of life and death In our tongue, (laughs) it's right here in our tongue, power of life and death. And in a moment, I can choose to speak and say, Jesus, I believe that you're in me and I'm in you, and you can love through me. And I don't know how to love like you love, so I need you to love through me. And I submit myself to you and your power. So from heaven, make it manifest on earth in this moment. And I've heard people say this before. It's like peace came over me. But the Prince of Peace was right there with me. And he administered peace into my heart. And and I have to say that I know that's just not a one-time thing. I found myself maybe even yesterday or the day before having to say, you're in me, I'm in you. Help me love like you love. Thank you, Jesus. Just in a moment, switching source. And this is the practicality of this sermon is that You, as you navigate your relationships and your marriage and your soon-to-be marriage, Brian and Julia, um, as you navigate and you find yourself in those places, and there are going to be places, Brian, where you're by yourself and you're in your own head and that tape is going... Julia, this, that, and the other, and she doesn't do this. Julia, this, that, and the other, and doesn't do that. Julia doesn't do And it over and over, broken record, accusing your wife of not meeting standards and expectations. And you can either give into that, or you can take the, the tape recorder and throw it in the pits of hell where it belongs and source from Jesus in that moment. And it's possible it's so very possible. I hear people say, I've heard this example given and and now I give it. <laughs> is that you can control your anger. You can contr- you can change your tune at the ring of a phone. You could be all out, hopefully not, but all out engaged in a in a in a verbal battle with somebody that you love. Temperature is high, voices are yelling and the phone rings and it's mom and you're like Hey Mom what's going on? No no we're good yeah everything's fine you know and in a moment you can you can you can fake it essentially but what I'm saying is that in a moment you can you can realize what is what is fake and then what is true and in a moment you can source from Christ and so this is my this is my um my my sermon for the morning let me finish by going to 1 John chapter 4, if I can find it. Anybody know how to use one of these things? 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Actually, you guys should just read all of 7 through 21, but 19, it says, We, first, we love because He first loved us. Right? So Jesus, in saying, love as I've loved you, we love because he first loved us. That's the kind of love that he gives us, and that's the kind of love we give. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Um, So I know all of us here, we're involved in kingdom ministry. We're not trying to build our thing. Joel Potter will say, I'm not trying to build Jesus' life. (laughs) Sam McVeigh will say, I'm not trying to build disciple nations. We'll say, we're not trying to build the source. I'm not trying to build disciple community. We're, We're not trying to elevate our names. What we're trying to do is what we are doing, partnering with Christ in his mission to administer kingdom into earth as it is in heaven. We're making disciples, we're proclaiming his name, we're saying the kingdom come and his will be done, all of us. Um, And I think for far too long, and one of the reasons that the watching world has such issue with the church is because of the discord and dissension sown among brothers in the faith and we've severely missed loving our brother let me tell you it's a lot in my opinion sometimes more difficult difficulter <laughs> to love your brother and those closest to you but let me tell you that when we allow the love of christ that we've been given when i mean i i would say if we don't fully understand the simple gospel, the simple message of Christ loving us even while we were powerless, even when we met no condition to be worthy of his love. And we can see that in our own lives and get to the place where, it's, you know, I, I mean, I, I break, I cry in the presence of the Father. Oh, you love me and I'm unworthy. And and that happens. But when we're moved and changed by that 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 gospel of love, That's the starting point of us being able to love others. But we even have to remind ourselves of the gospel in that moment to give us the strength to love others in that moment. And so when we can start to love each other as God loved us, that's how Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples when you love one another. This is how people will know that we know God is when we begin to love our brother as ourself and as Christ has loved us. And so... Um, just during this time do you guys want can you finish out with reckless love let's have you come up Um, before I do that does anybody have anything to say in regard to what I'm saying I just okay so I would just like to move into a time of maybe searching our hearts and spouses search your hearts and singles those around you your family your friends those closest to you think about the way that you've been loving or haven't been loving and let's just bring ourselves into the presence of Christ and ask for a fresh administering of that living water into our lives to allow us to love for that love to flow through us that it, that love would wash over us and then that love would be able to flow through us and that we would see actual manifestation of the kingdom of love in our homes and in our relationships and our friendships in a real and true way that maybe we've not seen it before. Because it is possible that it can change. The standards and conditions maybe that we've held other people to, he can break those off and he can say, those don't matter. You love anyway. You love anyway. And you die having loved regardless in the same way that I've died having loved regardless. Regardless. Amen. So let's, let's pray and then we'll sing reckless love <laughs> and remember the love that Christ had for us and pray that that's fuel in our spirit to go out and love in our immediate context to those closest to us. But not only our brother, but our neighbors, right? So Father, we thank you that your heart for us in this moment is one to know your love in a sweet and intimate way. And two, by the Spirit in us, to be able to source from you, Jesus, therefore, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, sacrificial, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And so, Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And I pray that that washes over us in a way that that stokes our unconditional love for others. And so, Father, we confess that we've held others to conditions to make them worthy of our love. So, Father, we just cast those at your feet. Conditions and expectation and fleshly, selfish law that we placed on family and friends. We cast it down, Father, and I just see uh, that initial shattering of the law written on the, the stone tablets. God, that that law would shatter and that love would abound. It's the cup of the new covenant. It's the covenant of love. It's the covenant of mercy. It's the covenant of grace overflowing. And so, Jesus, we thank you that we can ask you Lord, help us to love the way that you've loved us. We need you to love through us in the way that we we cannot love apart from you.